and standing? Sure. Thank you, Jesus. Let's let's pray. I want you to open up your hearts. I know you've come with needs. You've come with expectations. Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father God, I ask for each and every one of us that, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be able to break through into our hearts for us to hear, Lord, what you have prepared for us, because, Lord, we know that it is your word, Lord, that can and that enters into our hearts that can set us free. So I thank you in advance, Lord God, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and Lord God, that the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit would work in each and every heart. Help me to give the utterance and to speak those things you want me to speak. I thank you, Father, to your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, you know, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Pastor, it's been a great time as we, uh, you know, fellowship, have a good time together. And, Amen. you know, that, that Mexican food was pretty good. <laughs> Thank you, you know, it's, it's been great. Hallelujah. You know, you can make such an impact in this community uh, here in Boonville. I know it's not a large community, but, you know, the, just be by being led by the Holy Spirit, just listening to the Holy Spirit, you can touch people's lives. And, and don't, let the, don't let the devil, and you know, when I say the devil, Talking about those thoughts that enter into your mind, say, ah, oh, you know, they didn't listen to me, nothing happened, you know, because that's, that's what wants to happen. Yeah. Uh, Susan's oldest sister, she got saved later in life, and, and uh, she actually hated me before she got saved because I was, I was a believer. <laughs> and don't be surprised, you know, people that don't know God don't like you. And, uh, and, and I said, uh, I was saying one time in church, I said, you know, I said, you can be witnessing to somebody and they're not going to let on at all that they're listening, that you're getting through. And she goes, that's exactly right. You know, because you, because you don't want them to go, oh, is that right? Let me pray for you. You know, <laughs> I'm not ready for that, you know. Right, right. So people don't want to let you know, but yeah. anyway, I just want to encourage you, don't be discouraged when you talk to people about the Lord, because sometimes, frankly, they just don't want to tip their hand, as the saying goes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. praise God, the Holy Spirit is good, Amen. God is good, Amen. isn't that right? Amen. 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 So this, uh, continuing from this morning, I was... Uh, Started uh, a message the title Greater Freedom, so I guess we're going to call this part two. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the scripture tells us that we have liberty in and through Christ, but we often face challenges to which we suffer through or we give in. God's not a man that, that he should lie. And uh, we need to renew our minds to be transformed in order to have greater liberty. You know, I heard that scripture uh, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where it says, uh, well, why don't you turn there? That's, that's probably a, a good thing to do, just to turn there in, that, in those verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. 
So it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You know, when, when you get born again, as I said this morning, and you get born again, it's your spirit that becomes that, that this, your spirit becomes new. Amen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, any woman be in Christ, he is new. she is a new creation. So your spirit, man, is transformed. You get a new citizenship. But it doesn't mean that your mind is where your spirit is. Our mind often will hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It will hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. I've heard people say so many times, well, you know, I'm listening to the Lord, but I'm not hearing anything. You ever been there? Yeah. I'm listening to the Lord, but I'm not hearing anything. It's because our mind isn't in tune. You know, it's kind of like, now you don't have everything's digital, and you have preset stations, you know, and you, and you just press the button. But how many of you remember those days that a radio, you'd have to actually, with a tuner down, you have to tune it in, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you'd hear that, especially when it was analog, you know, you're trying to get, oh, that's what we, that's what it's like with us. And uh, this is why it's so important for our mind to get in tune. We have to get in the spirit in order to do that. So I want to, as I said, continue talking about this because Mind renewal is such an important part, and uh, also scripture tells us that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And um, working it out, I believe, really has to do with the soul. And I remember this morning, uh, when you guys were here, I talked about, you know, this part of you know, the brain, remember? Yeah. And then here's the prefrontal cortex, inside is your is your limbic area, right? That's your emotional brain. And remember, I'm just, you know, rehearsing this. Hopefully you remember this, but your amygdala is that which is your, really it's your alarm system. It's your safety system. Let's tell you when you're in danger, right? And that, uh, if you're in danger, it'll go, it's supposed to work as in fight, flight, or shutdown. And depending on the circumstance, I'm not getting into that right now, but most people's brains, uh, they, don't, they don't work according to before the fall of man, <laughs> right? right? You got that. Right. And so with us, what ends up happening is that, let's say I'm looking at Pastor Mike, and let's say he starts, I'm just, not that it's going to happen, but let's say he starts yawning and he's looking at his watch, and, you know, it could be my brain, oh, he doesn't like what I'm preaching. And maybe he doesn't, I don't know, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know that way it could go into my brain and going, well, he doesn't like me, so then how am I going to handle that? It's based on what I learned in the past. Right. Stuff that I may not even remember. Right? And that's, that's where even, you know, husband and wives get into trouble and start fighting. Is because it's like, well, you, you looked at me. Well, how did I look at you? Well, you looked at me in that, in that way. And next thing you know, they have a fight. My wife and I used to be there. We don't do that anymore, thank God, right? <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> but this is where, you know, just because you're born again, and you can be anointed, you can be called the ministry, or you can be, you know, say, well, I'm not called in the fivefold ministry. Well, that's okay. You're still called into some ministry, the ministry of helps or whatever. And see, the, uh, what happens is that the devil wants to disqualify some of us or make us feel disqualified because, you know, our, our reactions. We don't like our reactions. And so the Lord has, an, has the solution. He has the answer for us. And when you think you're going back 2,000 years ago, Jesus came at the perfect time, but in a culture and in a time that technologically, you know, they, they didn't speak the same language, they didn't speak, think even in uh, very much the similar terms. So when we think about what I'm telling you about here, we can see uh, some of this which Jesus read out of the book of Isaiah in Luke chapter 4. Why don't you turn there if you would. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 21. Praise God. As you're doing that, I'm just going to set myself here for a second. So, it says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed from the, uh, the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus, we, you know, there's that song, Waymaker, whenever Jesus made the way. And he he said that he was, he is and was and still is anointed to do these things. We have to have faith. We, we can have faith for divine healing where God can heal your physical body. But also we need healing where the Lord can heal your broken heart. Today we might call it trauma. You know, you've heard that terminology, right? You know, psychology, you know, that was a trauma thing. Um, you know, sometimes there's other terms that may not be as common that you haven't heard, like developmental issues or, or attachment issues um, from childhood. But the Lord said, it in, in these words, he has come to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. So when I, th you know, the word liberty and freedom, I don't, you might know this, but the word freedom and the word liberty are not the same meaning. Freedom is kind of like the, I can just go do what I want to do. I have the freedom. I'm going to go, let's say I'm going to go to Walmart or something. I have freedom to do that. Liberty is different because liberty is in the light of I was a prisoner or I was in bondage and now I have freedom. Right. 
right? So that, that's the difference with the word liberty. So when it says here to proclaim liberty to the captives, we could say freedom to the captive, but the word liberty fits better. And I know part of your, you know, your constitution or declaration of independence, I forget, sorry, because I'm Canadian, but, you know, it uh, talks about, you know, life and liberty, and, you know, you use the word liberty, but that has to do with the freedom from tyranny. And so Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives. So what were we captive by? Sin. We were captive by the devil. We were captive by the pains and, you know, the things that oppressed us. You know, sometimes what we call obsessive thinking. You heard of obsessive thinking. Some people have OCD. And, uh, but they're... See, people that have that obsessive thinking, they're captive. They're captive to that thought. They can't seem to get away from it. You ever been, have you ever worried so much that you just couldn't get it out of your head? You didn't want to worry, but you kept worrying? Maybe you did want to worry. I don't know. But anybody here ever worried in their life? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think if you're a human, you did a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's why Jesus wrote... Uh, quite a few verses on not worrying. But this is where the anointing of the Lord Jesus has come to set us free. We were captive. Now, we hear that, and we say, well, here I am. I'm over here. I'm, I'm still worrying. I'm still having problems. But Jesus said, I'm free. So how do I get from here over to here? Right? Sometimes, I'm going to tell you, it's a battle, but the battle needs to be in strategy. Not a losing battle, not a struggling battle, not a battle of stagnation. Sometimes that's how we feel like I'm not moving anywhere. And, and that's where we want to move forward. Well, that's where, even in the book of James, it tells us there that if, uh, when we're in the midst of tests and trials, James chapter 1, we're to count it all joy. Well, how many of you are going, Praise God, I'm, I'm having a bad time, you know. Right. But it was really not to say I'm happy I'm having a bad time, but rather that God's going to get me out of this. And he says, if any man or woman lacks wisdom, he's to do what? Ask, Ask who? Ask the Lord. Ask God. Ask the Lord. For what? Wisdom. Wisdom. Mm -hmm. It's okay. You guys can help me preach. It's okay. <laughs> That's right. And ask wisdom. Because he gives liberally or generously and does not withhold. Yes. Right. If you ever felt like God was withholding from you, I'm going to give you some scriptures. God's not withholding because I used to believe God was withholding. I was, you know, 1981 is when my life was transformed through the ministry of Kenneth E. Hagen by reading his book, I Believe in Visions, Transform My Life. And, uh, but that didn't, you know, it's interesting. As we walk with God, transformation, we go, as scripture says, we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. And even though I'd be free from certain things, I wasn't free from everything. You know, it wouldn't be nice if the Lord could just... And, and everything would just be gone now and just be right. Mm -hmm. huh? Yeah, that's called dying and going to heaven. 
<laughs> Sorry if I burst your bubble. Yeah. I had one, one gentleman talk about temptation years ago, and he's just a lovely saint of God. We were at a camp meeting in, uh, in Virginia, and this was probably, uh, probably around 1990, 91, and this brother, he just came up to me and he says, this is probably about 11 o'clock at night because the services would go long. And he said, uh, he says, can you pray for me? I said, okay. I said, what do you want prayer for? He says, pray that all these bad thoughts stop coming to my mind. And I said to him, I said, so you want me to pray that you die? And he looked at me and he goes, what do you mean? I says, if you expect never to have another temptation again, you've got to be dead in heaven. Right. 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 And sometimes we get weary in the battle. Sure. And that's, that's the whole thing about the devil is he wants, he wants to use life, people, circumstances, and your own stuff to wear you out. Right. You know, stuff that your mom and dad might have told you, stuff that happened in school, maybe different, you know, happenings. Like, you know, some people have had some terrible tragedies, one thing after another. And in my, one thing I know that, uh, and I've seen this in my practice often, is that people have had terrible, horrible upbringings or lots of terrible trauma, whether it's sexual abuse, physical abuse, or verbal abuse, whatever, stuff that, really horrific things. And when they come in, they go, they go always, every week they come in, they go until they get better, they go from crisis to crisis. And this is actually noted, you know about that, huh? They go from crisis to crisis. And uh, you say, why is that? Why is that? You know, so I just need to rebuke the devil. Well, yeah, you need to rebuke the devil. But, you know, think about the word brokenhearted. When a heart is broken, there's a breach in it. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but you've seen pictures, right? A crack maybe in the heart. You ever seen one of those icons or whatever? Right, right? Right. Well, when I think of broken, I think of a breach. How many of you ever had a leak in your house or a leak in your basement? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's usually, what, a crack or something in the foundation, right? Wall or something. Or... Pipes or something. Yeah, wow, well, yeah. But, the, the, you know, in Israel, it was interesting... After the captivity, the Babylonian captivity, when they came back, they had to repair the wall because all the breaches in the city of Jerusalem, not just some bandits coming in and stuff, but it'd also be serpents and scorpions coming in because, the, you know, in that part of the world being arid, so it cools down and they want the heat, especially the serpents. So they go towards the heat inside the city where people would have fires and people would get bitten and that kind of thing. So why are you telling me this? Because you and I are like walled cities. Let me put it to you this way. How many of you remember having a dream at night about a house? Anybody ever dreamt about a house? Mm -hmm. House is always your life. It always represents your life. Always. Well, it's interesting how when we've had, I'm going to use the word trauma, which really isn't, that word is not found in, in the Bible. It comes from a Greek word, which literally means to lacerate. But really the word here, brokenhearted, really tells us what this is. And when there's a breach, and we've had 
things done to us, it's like open doors. Not that we do it deliberately, so don't take it that way because I'm not talking because it's something that's happened to you. And so I say, well, I've been victimized. It's true, but you don't want to live in the realm of having a victim mentality because it's like you're feeding this thing. Now, I know you can't help it at times. Okay, you can pray, you can resist it, you can stand on God's word and still struggle. And it's until that these bleachers are fixed up. So we had some leak in our basement uh, and we had them re you know, redo the weeping tile and all that because all the water and everything that was working its way through. Well, that had to, th these things have to be repaired, just like a physical house has to be repaired. You've got to find out, okay, where is it in the foundation of my life, right? Do you guys have basements here? Okay. I know if you go further south, they don't. But, but in the you know, basement, if you ever dream about a basement in your, in your dreams, it usually has to do with uh, foundational things in your life, just, just like when you think of a basement. And when you have a breach in the wall of a physical basement, we know there's leaks, and if you have a big enough well, you know, other things can move in. Well, depending on what's happened in your life, you know, that's why we got to dig down deep and find out. But a lot of us, I'm going to say, it's not comfortable when you find out uh, because we get upset. We get angry. I've had people in my office, I mean in church too, but I've had people in my office come in and go, okay, so uh, they're living in what denial. You heard the word denial, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, denial. Denial simply means lying to yourself. We, we all do it. Maybe we don't do it consciously, but we do it on some level. And so this, what ends up happening is that because something is so painful, we don't want to believe this about ourselves. This is where I told you I'm going to get into about core beliefs tonight because that's where you and I live from. You and I live from core beliefs. Okay, so you can be taught mathematics, 2 plus 2 equals 4. You know, that's great for functionality, but that's not what really rules your life. That's not what steers your life. That's, that's not the rudder of your ship. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm not losing you. I hope I'm being clear. So when you think about what really steers our ship, it's, it would be like this. Do you believe that God can speak to you? And if you say, let's just say, well, no, I'm not sure God wants to talk to me. Then either one, you're not born again, and then you need to get born again. But if you are born again, then you have a core belief somewhere in there that you're not worthy. You're not good enough. There's something in there because then that interferes with your relationship with the Heavenly Father. So let me go to, uh, so we're talking about we, gotta, we need those breaches in our wall of our foundation healed up. So how are we going to do that? Well, some things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, you're going to have to have someone help you with. That's all I can tell you because uh, I know I've had, you know, I've had to have those anointed to help me to be able to work through some stuff. You can work through some stuff on your own, which is good, with the Holy Spirit. I've had, uh, you know, in all the courses I took, you know, and therapy and stuff, you have to do some of it yourself. Mm 
And I've had uh, testimonies a number of times. I remember three teachers in particular told me, so with the stuff that you went through, they called the trauma, the trauma that you went through, they said, where do you get that strength from? That's what they said. I said, it was Jesus. They said, oh, it was your faith. One person said, oh, it was your faith that gave you strength. So that's right. So, you know, so the Lord gives us strength. We're not to minimize that. But we know we want, we need this fix because I don't want to stay there in my life. You know what Paul said, whatever state I find myself therein, am I content? Well, that was my goal. When I went to therapy, going back in early 2000s, I said, because the therapist asked me, it was my trainer at the time, because you have to also go through therapy to, to do therapy, if that makes sense. So I said, what's your goal? I said, to be content in whatever state I find myself in, because I sure wasn't content. I, I was a big complainer. You can ask my wife. I used to complain about everything. You know, if the grass was too long, I complain about the grass. Why can't it, you know, just stay cut on its own, you know? <laughs> you know stuff like that. I just, you know, I, I, some of you, maybe you don't have that problem. But, you know, I just had this melancholy, you know, uh, I think a couple of times my wife told me that I was Eeyore. Anybody remember who Eeyore was? You know, I'd, some people don't know, you know, that was from Winnie the Pooh. You know, like, well, I don't want to be Eeyore. I'd rather be Winnie the Pooh, you know. <laughs> So, and even though someone, I remember one time a brother called me, and he said, brother, I want to encourage you, and he started telling me the word, and I got mad at him. You ever got mad when someone's trying to encourage you with the word? Uh -huh. Yeah. Yep. I guess it happens solid. So I was trying not to let on that I was mad, you know. And he was going on and on and on and trying to encourage me, and he said, he said, you're not listening to me. <laughs> <He's right. laughs> yeah, <clears throat> but there was no fault of his, but it really showed up what was in my heart. How many of you remember or know of uh, the parable of the sower? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Mark chapter four. There's four types of soil. It says I went and sowed the the seed. Right. Does this help a little bit? Maybe. Yes. Okay. The reason I'm not going to because there's a lot of scriptures I want to cover. One fell on the wayside, which is a hardened path. The other fell amongst stones. Right? The other fell amongst thorns. And the other fell on good ground and produced 30, 60, 100 fold. Remember that? Right. You know, the one with the stony ground, that's the one I want to zero in, in for now. Stony ground. Stony ground. I tried to plant some stuff on stony ground because one of the homes we lived in, it was close to what is called the Niagara Escarpment. If you don't know what it is, you can Google it. But the Niagara Escarpment. So we were so close to the Niagara Escarpment that what we were growing were rocks. <laughs> like, you know, every spring because of the frost, we'd have the garden. We'd have to have wheelbarrows of rocks. We'd have to take away in order to try and have a garden. Well, it was tough. You know, you put seeds on it. Some falls on, falls on stone, so it'll sprout up. But as soon as the heat hits it, and it has no root, it just withers up and dies, and that's it. Well, that's what Jesus said, that those that have that pressure 
come on you. You know, I talked about temptations, tests, and trials. When that pressure's on, the word of God that you have in your heart then dries up. And that's why people go, oh, the word doesn't work. Why do we go there? Is because there's stones in our heart. Stones, well, what did the Bible also talk about? Stones? It talks about rocks of offense. So you think of hard things. Things, now think about this. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, I'm piecing these things together, if you can follow me. In Matthew chapter 4, the de- after Jesus had fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights, that Satan came to tempt him and said, um, if you be the Son of God, make these stones turn into bread. Sometimes, he said, what? Because when I was in Israel, and we were in the Judean wilderness, because that's where Jesus was, because, you know, the stones in different parts of the world, the stones look different. Well, when we were in the Judean wilderness, and I looked at the stones, they looked like pita bread. Everyone knows pita bread, right? The flatbed. Those stones actually (laughs) looked like pita bread. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh... Because I'm thinking stones, how, you know, how could that look like a, I guess some could look like a loaf of bread, but, mm-hmm. but they even had the color of bread, because it's more limestone, right? right? So then it made sense to me in this temptation, making this connection. Mm-hmm. And when you think about this, some of the things that happen in our life, we tend to chew on them, eat them, keep them, try to feed on it, Mm -hmm. but they bring us pain. They cause us to be bitter. They cause us to be, you know, get us into a place of unbelief, a place where we kind of stumble in our faith. That's the stones. Those are the stones. And it's interesting, a, a, a minister friend of ours years ago when they were ministering in Egypt, this was probably in the early 90s, actually it was, and they were holding a meeting in Egypt, and, and one of the Egyptians had come up in one of the churches and said, uh, well, I can't, I'm not ready to accept Christ yet. And he was asked, well, why can't you accept Christ yet? He says, because I have stones in my heart. See, in the rest, we don't think that way. Well, I'm not coming to the front, Pastor, because I have stones in my heart. <laughs> right? but, but in that part of the world, they, they, they have that conceptualization. But it had to do with these obstacles in our life. And so when we've had uh, traumatic events or abuses or neglects, it's, it's not real difficult to have stumbling stones in our life. It's not real difficult for us to have our hearts starting to be filled up with stones in difficult places. And so when the word of God is sown in our hearts, we might go, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that, that preaching is good, Pastor. I'm, I'm going to confess. You know, like you have a confession. I'm going to confess, I believe it. And then, you know, as time goes by and pressures and things don't change, then you go, you get discouraged. And then you go, well, why am I bother trying? But, when, but you know, one thing we have to determine, this helped me, because I had a struggle with God the Father. 
And this is even, I'm in ministry. This is, I don't know, going back 15 years ago or so. And I had the struggle with God the Father. I had no problems with Jesus. But I'm problem with the Father. And the Lord, the Father spoke to me and he said, I'm not your father, you know. You know, it's great if you had a great dad. I, you know, my dad was cold, disconnected. If I went to hug my dad, I, it would be like me hugging this post. I'm not kidding. You can ask my wife. He, he was, he, he was uh, like hugging the tree. You know, he just, <laughs> he not get much response. And uh, he, he was very critical. Never, never, never apologized. You know, I mean, he didn't beat me. But he was just smart. He was just, you know, you know, don't, you know, don't be a sissy. If you, you know, tears are for girls. Hugs are for girls. I don't give hugs. And so, I just, you know, he was, uh, he was kind of a man that he had his own trauma stuff. He was very angry uh, for a lot of stuff he went through as a kid. He was an immigrant. Didn't know his father till he was 12 years of age. And then his father, my grandfather, was an alcoholic coming out of World War One, and um, so, you know, I had a real hard time with Heavenly Father, and the, and the Lord showed me that the image I had of the Heavenly Father was the same face my father had with a frown. I never really thought about it, because, you know, sometimes the pictures, of course, artists sometimes don't help, showing God the Father in the throne and you know, with a lightning bolt, you know, I was like, thanks a lot, you know. I just feel like God giving you a hug, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you, you know, I've heard some people say, well, God's going to get you for that. I'm going to tell you, if he was going to get you, he would have got you by now, okay? So, <laughs> okay? But this, is this helping anybody tonight, me sharing this out of my heart? Okay. So, this is the way I saw my Heavenly Father, but I didn't know it. I wasn't, like it wasn't a conscious thought, but that was the image I had in my mind. Then the Lord reminded me of the scripture in Isaiah where it says, and the Father will dance over you with joy. And the Father will dance over you with joy. And I got thinking about that. So I never saw my Father dance <laughs> or dance with joy, and especially with me. Like, son, this is great. Maybe you did. I never had that. And I got thinking, oh, that's a very different image of the Father. He's dancing over me with joy. And then I could see in the Spirit, like he wanted me to hold his hands and dance with him. And I just like, and it was that revelation set me free. It was that anointed moment that set me free. I'm not saying my life became perfect, but because it's like layers. We're, we're like onions. And you're taking this layer off, right? And you're glad when one layer is gone, so Lord, work on the next one now. <laughs> but that's when all of a sudden that changed. Then the Lord gave me, because I still had some struggles, like, because I, I, maybe you had this, but this was my story. So I'll tell you my story. My parents loved me as best they knew how. Sure. And, and I know that. Even in their dysfunctionality, I knew that. And they... But my parents would always promise me things and never deliver, even as a kid. Well, I'm going to get you that. Well, you know, it's too hot. Or, oh, you know, I don't have the money. I don't have the time right now. So, 
I'm not saying on everything, but most everything. And so even when I'd ask for something for Christmas, I'd get, I'd get it used. Or I'd get the substitute. You know, that kind of stuff, right? Or, you know, even when I was older, I'd tell them, I says, don't promise me. Don't say anything. Well, you know, we want to buy your house. You know, I was like, I don't want to hear that. You know, because there's a part of me that says, you're going to buy me a house? But I thought, oh, no. And sure enough, <laughs> no, no house, because there are a lot of strings attached to that, right? And they're like, oh, no, 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 this isn't working. I mean, there'd be, there'd be different things, like even furniture. My mother said, oh, you can have that piece of furniture if you want. That's when we needed furniture. And then as we're getting it, she said, oh, by the way, you can't do this and this and this with the furniture. And I remember telling her, I said, well, you just keep it. I don't want it. And without realizing it, it can impact your relationship with the Father. Because you think about it this way. I don't know if you're aware of this, but many atheists, not all, but many atheists have daddy issues. Have you ever seen that, not that I want to support movies or shows, but there was this movie or whatever it was based on um, a true uh, life uh, story, which was called uh, uh, oh, come on. Case for Christ. I don't know if you saw it. it was, oh, Lee Strobel? The Case for Christ? Yes. Okay, she knows. Yeah. Anyway, but this, this was his issue he talked about was he had, right. he had right. daddy issues. Yeah. And I've seen this in my practice. It's like, not always, but most of the time, I remember this one guy years ago, he was an atheist, came in and found out what it was, is that his issue was, because he was Catholic, and he was actually abused by the priest's brother who defended him, and, excuse me, they never went to church, and that was what caused him to be an atheist, because as I helped him out, he wanted to have faith. He wanted to believe in God. But it, was come over, it had to overcome that hurdle. Right. Mm -hmm. wow. So, you know, there, sometimes we don't know the, the, the core beliefs that we have in our heart come from the nurture or the lack of it or whatever that looks like. And, you know, and we, we don't know why we're responding. Why I don't believe that even though I read the scripture and I've been confessing the word and and so when God says, I'm going to do this for you, and you kind of go, oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're trying to be cordial, that's nice. Or that would be nice if that happens. Do you believe that's going to happen? Well, you know, then you find out after you talk to people, like, oh, Jesus wants to heal you. And, and then next thing they're talking about going, taking pills, and, you know, going to the doctor. And, and again, I'm not knocking that. But the faith in why is it this person got healed and this person didn't get healed? You know, and that's where I'm not saying in every case, so we're not painting this with one paintbrush, right? So just so you understand that. But there are components that why is it that person can't believe? Is it is it that they're just you know hard hearted? Well maybe they got these stones, gotta get them out, heal the breach in, in the person's life. And sometimes it's like what, it, what Jesus said, it was in, uh, let's see, let me get the right chapter and verse here. 
Uh, no, that's no, that's not the one I want. Okay, I didn't need looking for it. I thought I had it here, but <clears throat> but remember the man had the son who would go into convulsions. And it would throw him into fire, and his disciples try to cast a demon out, and you know they can't. And then Jesus came to the father, and the father said to him, "Jesus, can you do anything? Right. Can you do anything?" And Jesus said, "Can I do anything? He, for with God all things are possible to him who believes." Right. And what did the man say? Help thou my unbelief. Help thou my unbelief. You know, that's a good prayer. Sometimes, Lord, I want to believe. Help thou my unbelief, Lord. Sometimes we need to fall on the mercy of God. And I'm not, but we don't want to live there. We don't want to continue living in that place of help thou my unbelief. We want to eventually get to the place we, we're not struggling. Like we're moving from faith to faith and glory to glory and that, you know, what, what you can believe for today and then what you can believe for next year and, and what, that, what your life is going to look like next year can be brighter than what it looks like this That's year. Right. That's right. But these are the things that we, we have to work on within ourselves. So, in progression of my story with my a relationship with my father in heaven, I got up in the middle of the night, one night, was just going off to the bathroom, hobbling off to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And the word of the Lord came to me, gave me two scriptures. I'll give you one of them right now. And I knew it was a scripture, and I didn't know where it was in the Bible. And I'm going to read it to you. It's Numbers 23, 19. Go ahead and turn there because uh, I'm hoping it will help you the way it helped me. Numbers 23, 19. And just as I was telling you that my, my earthly father, and unfortunately my mother, they would promise things and never deliver. I didn't know what I was going to get. So I didn't realize that this reflected on my relationship with God the Father. And the Lord gave me this verse in the middle of the night as I was hobbling off to the bathroom. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? I meditated on this, had to be at least six to nine months. Don't, don't worry about how long you got to meditate on scripture. That's right. That's right. One thing I know is when the Lord gives you a scripture, it starts, it's almost like the way I experience it, it's resonating in here. It's not just information, it's resonating in here. And it's like I'm, I know I don't, I know I need it, but I don't have it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know I need it, but I don't have it yet. And I know that it's in here, but how do I get this from here into here? Right? right? This morning, remember, 
talking about if you continue my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Well, the knowing's got to go from here to here. I, I can memorize that verse. I can be a good scholar. I can be a good student. You know, some people are really good at memorizing things. I'm okay with it. I memorize things better when it becomes real in here. So I just wrote it down on a card. You know, those recipe cards. Some of you might remember the recipe cards thing, you know. So I wrote it down. You put it on your phone, whatever. There's apps you can download for memory verses. But, but I would take that out, <coughs> excuse me, different times through the day. And I just muse over it. You know what I mean? My muse, just kind of think about it and just say the words and say, there's something about those words are so true. But yet there's a gap between what I believe in my heart. What did I believe in my heart? That God was going to let me down like my parents going to let me down. Really can't, can't trust the Lord. Even though I knew, because there's another part of me, I'm going to put it this way. Another part of me, I was saved. I knew that God loved me. I knew. See, I had at this point in time, just so you understand, I've laid hands on blind people and they were healed. Because I had no problem showing compassion to other people, no problem ministering to other people. Laying hands on people had broken bones and their bones would be mended and they'd, uh, they'd throw away their crutches and they'd run around the church. I've done this. I've laid hands on people where people would be healed. I've prayed for other people. I see deaf here. Yeah, I'm on my own struggles. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. You're supposed to be anointed. <laughs> I'm telling you this because you can be anointed and still have these struggles on a personal level because the anointing on me is to help you. But then when I'm at home, it's me and my relationship with the Lord. And where's that at? Now you say... You know, well, you got to pray more. Yeah, you, get, you pray more. You should. You should pray in tongues. It says pray with the Spirit and pray with the understanding. 1 Corinthians 14, 13, I believe, or 14, 14. It says that we're to pray, building ourselves up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude. Yeah. You know, Paul says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. He says, he that prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But you know, your flesh doesn't want to pray in tongues. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you, you know, you're praying in tongues, your flesh doesn't want to pray in tongues. You know why? Because Paul says your mind's unfruitful. You know, you ever prayed in tongues and you, you know, you're looking at how much dust is on the, your dresser. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> What's the temperature like outside? You know, you have attention deficit disorder, you know, as you're praying in tongues, you know. That's right. That's why I, I, I tell my wife, I said, I clear out the closet, I go in the closet. So why are you going in the closet? I said, because there's no distractions when it's dark. I'm making myself, once I'm in the spirit, I'm okay. Right. Right? So, you know, when you're discouraged and you're in a battle, it's funny how we humans, until we kind of come to the end of the rope, sometimes... We just want to, we want to have our uh, pity party and our sorry soup yeah. and just, you know, eat that, eat that, uh, you know, that, that cake, you know, that I'm feeling sorry for myself, you know, just, just I'm just going to have 
Maybe, you know, I've, I've known, I remember one Christian telling me, feeling so sorry for myself, I went out and bought a dozen donuts and sat down and ate them all. <laughs> they felt sick. <laughs> right? but, then, but I'm saying people do things. Right. When you're feeling a certain way, you do things. I know you're not going to tell other people because you don't want other people to know. Because it's called shame and embarrassment. Yeah. And I'm sharing this with you because the idea of the pristine Christian, sometimes we have all this pressure. You've got to be perfect. And uh, you, know, you might say, well, I don't have that pressure. Okay, I do want to be perfect because the Lord says, you know, to be holy as I'm holy. That's really the meaning of it. Because you're never on this earth going to be flawless. You know, as far as, you know, you know stuff that we can do. Everyone has idiosyncrasies, right? Linda knows your idiosyncrasies, and you know hers. <laughs> it happens. It's part of being a human being, right? That's right. That's right. <clears throat> but, this is, but this isn't what the Lord's after. The Lord's after to help us to be in fellowship and communion with him that we, he can divinely meet your need. And, you know, most of our need, even though you want it to be in your pocketbook, and I know, you get it, I get it, but it's but when the need is met here, it's interesting how it flows out in other areas, which is really what I think of is Third John two, where it says, "Beloved, I desire above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers." Now, if you remember this morning, I talked about your soul being your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? So what usually messes us up is. Well, I have a lack of willpower, my thinking is goofed up, and I'm an emotional wreck. <laughs> right? So your spirit is saved, you're born again, but then this other part of you surely is not acting saved at all. Right. And that's where we need, to, we need the word of God to transform us, yeah. to, we'll say, switch out, if you will, yes. these negative core beliefs that we have, these, if you will, we'll put it in biblical terms, lies of the devil that we believe, because the devil is out to condition every one of us like people would a circus monkey or an elephant, you know? I know they don't do that anymore because cruelty to animals, but, you know, when they would train these animals, they, they condition them, like the lion to jump through the fiery hoop, remember that, those days? Yeah. Yeah, well, what does the devil do? He just presses that button, puts pressure in your life, and you're jumping through that fiery hoop again, whatever it is. Right. You're jumping through that hoop again. Right. And you go, why am I doing that again? Lord, why am I doing that again? And it's, <clears throat> and it's because of these, these beliefs that we have in our heart. So back to this verse here, God is not a man that he should lie. you got to remember that your father and your mother may have lied to you, either purposefully or maybe they told you something that they had no control over and they couldn't deliver after. Right? I know sometimes that's happened with our kids. I try to never do that with our kids after what I went through, but you realize as a parent, sometimes you go, oh, I don't have the money for that, or oh, they sold out in the store. Right? right? Now there's Amazon, but you know, <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't get it. And you go, how am I going to deliver this? And, 
And, but, but God's not a man that he should lie or that he can't produce it or that he's going to be limited like a human being. Neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Now, if you don't know what repent means, we're gonna, I'm going to put it in these words, that he should change his mind on you. You know, you might have had parents change your mind on you, and that's maybe what you think about God, you know. That's why some people erroneously quote Job when he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Well, it's true, Job said that, but remember, Job didn't have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way to the book of Revelation. He didn't have any of it. It's amazing he was a godly man and had no scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Of, you know, so it, I wouldn't follow Job's theology. Right. That's right. Amen. You know, God, well, God gives and takes away. That, well, that sounds like maybe some human you know, they gave you something and they want it back. Maybe it was your brother or your sister said, give that back to me. I didn't really mean it. I've had that. I remember one time uh, when we had a ministry in another city and, and one guy came and he says, oh, I got this pen set. This was probably back in 1994, 1993. He had this nice, beautiful pen set. And he says, I want to give this to you. I said, are you sure? He said, yeah, absolutely. I want to sew it in your ministry. Next week he comes back and says, I want it back. <laughs> I said, do me a favor. I said, don't you ever give me anything ever again. Uh -huh. right. I don't, I'm not receiving it. Here you go. Here's your pen. <laughs> <laughs> See, God's not a, God is not a man that he should repent. Right. God's not going to change his mind on you and go, well, I woke up grumpy this morning and I'm not going to do it. I'm feeling stingy. There's a recession in heaven. Yeah. God, God's not a man that he should repent. That's right. Amen. Amen. The Lord says, I am God and I change not. That's in Malachi 3. So it's good to know these other verses. Yeah. Yeah. In Hebrews, it says that, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if you have the wrong core beliefs, you're going, yeah, right. Yeah, right. It's because of what you learned probably from your parents, and if not from your siblings, somebody you trusted. And that's why this verse, these verses, these verses told, have told me over and over again, I had to drill this in to myself till actually I could see the Father in a completely different light that he's not going to abandon me. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to lie to me and say one thing and then do another. That doesn't mean I always understand because when you're in the middle of trials and tests, we don't always understand what's going on. Does that make sense? Do you always understand what's going on? Right, no. Right, no. When you're in a test and a trial, first thing you should do is this. Okay, Lord, I need some wisdom. And is there anything in this that I need to change, that I got off course. I'll give you an example. This was a simple example. I had this growth on my, um, I'm trying to remember, growth, anyways, a growth on my body. And uh, I was in the shower, this was probably somewhere around year 2000. And I was in the shower and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, what? 
I said, I prayed and I cursed this growth and it's still there. I said, why? And the Lord says, because you haven't been talking nice to your wife and it's not going away till you talk better to her. So I repented and the growth went away. You know? So there are, there are things, you know, that sometimes, I'm going to say sometimes Christians, we can have nasty attitudes. Some of you are just quiet, and some of you are very talkative. And some of you are maybe in between. But, you know, you know there's always, you know, when I look, I'm, I'm more talkative than my wife, but she's, you know, has come out of her shell, and she talks a lot more now. But... You know, every personality is different. So some people that are quiet does not mean that they don't harbor a will or unforgiveness. Or someone who's smiling and talking all the time, because I've, I've met people, and I'm sure you have, they're smiling and they're always cheerful, but they're depressed. But that's how they grew up, because one of their parents were probably smiling all the time and everything, but in, behind the scenes, they get home, they couldn't get off the couch. Does this mean anything to anybody? Is this helping anybody a little bit, maybe? Yeah? yeah. yeah? Okay. This is where we need s such words that are going to help us. And then there, we need other people sometimes to get, get over the hump. Um, a, a minister friend of mine, he's not a pastor, and he said to me, he said, let me tell you how I... Uh, I told this couple, yeah, they need to, he said, I told them, just straighten up, quit fighting me, you two. And I looked at him, he says, I know, I know. He says, you're the counselor, that's, I'm not the pastor. I said, yeah. I said, that's not quite, you know, just telling people to stop it. It's like, uh, or stop feeling that way. Has anyone ever told you, oh, you got to stop feeling that way? I said, well, there's a button right back here, just go ahead and press it, and all the feelings will go away. <laughs> Just stop feeling that way. It's like, well, no, that's not going to work. Really, what we need to do is we have to shift focus. We have to shift focus. I know there's times, I remember, there was times I'd come to church and I'd be not wanting to worship God. You know, what does scripture say? That we're to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Do you feel like it? No. Don't feel like it. When you're feeling heavy, do you feel like, oh, praise God, I'm just going to dance and praise the Lord. Yeah. Is that how you feel? No. No, no you tell me you want to get out of bed. <laughs> well, when the pastor wants me to raise hands, oh, I'm just going to be grumpy today. You're hurting yourself because some of it is a barrier that you have to break through. Right. You say, but I've been doing this so long. Yep. How long do I have to fight for? Till you win. And sometimes it's like if your battle strategy is getting you back to the same place, maybe it's time to look at a different strategy. And sometimes it's called humbling yourself. In a way, and you know, this doesn't really go big over sometimes in, in spirit-filled or faith circles, but I look at it this way. It says, it tells me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that each joint supplies. Exactly. It tells me in, in Ephesians that there's fivefold ministry. 
I believe there are people, and some of them aren't saved, that are anointed to help you. So let's just, let's take it, because, you know, talking about emotional stuff, well, you ought to have more faith. You know, if someone has, oh, you have arterial blockage and you need to go have a bypass, we're not going, well, just get over it, brother. Do we talk that way? No. So you, you better go and get your bypass done so you can be here tomorrow, right? right? And so, you know, we can pray and believe God. Some people, they do get, you know, they grow a bypass supernaturally. Yeah. But other people, you know, they got to go and have surgery. Well, then you believe God where you're at. Believe God for an anointed surgeon who's anointed to help you through that, because sometimes we don't have faith for growing that bypass, right? It's it, it, you, we, we're, I think this is where sometimes we, we want to preach the highest and the best, which is true, but I don't want to lose anyone along the way and everyone else feel like they're another faith failure. And sometimes emotionally, people have struggles and they feel like, you know, forget it, why should I even bother going to church? And the next thing you know, they're drinking or smoking weed or something, looking at pornography because, you know, or shopping online. You know, that's also another addiction, you know. Yeah. I think I need a few gift packages at my door. <laughs> <laughs> you know, have you ever seen one of those memes, you know, where they show all the Amazon boxes outside the door? It looks right. like Christmas. You know, so I feel better until you get the bill, yeah. you know. Right. Right. Oh, look at my visa bill, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Right, joy is gone, you know. Especially once you open those boxes, the joy is gone. Oh, I got a bunch of empty boxes now. Is <laughs> because we're trying to fill what's in here and not realizing that we need help. And there's someone anointed to help you through those struggles. Even if it comes, you know, people want to call it mental health, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's, um, you know, it's really where there's a breach and you need that healing of the brokenhearted. And God can do that. God can heal. You know, when you think about Lazarus, let me put it this way, because I know we got to quit. Lazarus, remember he died and it was four days before he was raised from the dead. Yeah. Well, we don't know anything about why he died. All we know, he got sick, he died. We don't know anything about Lazarus pretty much after that. You know, there's not another, you know, chapters in the Bible showing the life of Lazarus. No. You know, d you know, did he did he have stomach flu? Did he get sick? Eventually, he died. Right. How did he die? We, I don't know. Right? Did he have struggles in his life? Well, the fact that you're a human, you're going to have a struggle. Right. The fact that you're not on, you're on this side of heaven. You're going to have a struggle. That's right. But you don't want to go from crisis to crisis. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have tests and trials, but you don't want to go from crisis to crisis. And that's where you've got to repair the breach. And that comes by changing core beliefs. So if you don't know what core beliefs are, again, it's those things that have happened to us where we, that we take on a belief that might be something like, I'm not good enough, I can't do anything right. And you might say it in a moment of frustration or when you're arguing with your wife or husband or something, but the, those are there. Or you might say, I'm not good enough, and that's where I would think that God the Father wasn't, you know, was kind of like my dad, and I didn't realize it. Right. That was hindering my faith. Yeah. 
but I needed I needed healing and I needed the word so the word of God can bring healing. There's other other things, like I said, that can that can help you work through those things. And it's not mind over matter and it's not even willpower because willpower eventually is gonna, you know, especially when it comes to emotional stuff, willpower can wear you out. And uh, you know, you get tired. That's that's where some we need other help from other people. So anyway, I can't say everything about it tonight, but I do want to say is that we need to take the word of God and those things, find the scripture, ask the Lord for the scripture that, or scriptures that are going to help you. And I, and I don't know, maybe it'll be a dozen scriptures. Usually the Lord gives me one or two at a time. And it'll just stand out. And I know I got to take that. And then I just keep mulling it over and I keep praying over it. And I pray it. I said, Father, I know you're not a man. And I know you don't lie, but I sure feel like it. It's my problem, not, not his, but it's my problem. Why do I feel that way? Well, I knew I had to do with my, with my parents. But you're not my parents, Lord. You're God. You have no beginning. You have no end. You always were. You know, that's kind of mind-blowing thinking. Yes, it is. And, you know, mix that with, God so loved, the Father so loved the world that he gave for us. Sometimes we feel, yeah, he gave for everyone else but me. Right? right? Yeah. Is, it, is this resonating with you? Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I think tonight, I want, what I want you to do, if anything you get out of this, you find a word that's, that you need, and you start working out word. And you keep coming to church. If you're not a church, let this be your church. Be faithful. I'm going to tell you, one thing I found, even before I pastored, I go to church, I get strength. Even if the man or woman of God's not perfect, even if you don't like their idiosyncrasies, because I'm going to tell you, wherever you go, you're going to find flaws. You know why? Because we're all humans. <laughs> that's, that's the bottom line. Right? You just got to know where you're called. And, and you spend time praying. And if you can't, sometimes you say, I can't pray alone. Pray with someone else. I remember my father-in-law, I love my father-in-law, he's in heaven, but I remember when he joined our church and we started praying, I said, let's pray in tongues for an hour. And he just looked at me, pray in tongues for an hour? And I remember he was praying in tongues over about 15 minutes, you know, and he was, I think he had attention deficit disorder, yeah. But he'd be looking at the watch and I said, feels like forever, doesn't it? He'd go, yeah. I says, keep going, you're going to have a breakthrough. <laughs> I love my father-in-law. He was, he, he was in a lot of ways what my dad never was. He was very supportive. But, uh, but see, this is, these are the things we got to do. Is the, the closer you are uh, to your man of God and the word of God, and you just keep working it. Just keep working. Keep being faithful. Keep showing up to church. You know, tithe, give, serve. Sometimes just serving makes you feel better. You feel like you have a purpose. Anybody ever notice that? Yeah, sometimes I found the best way for me to get out of my funk, you know, if that's the right word, out of the depression or whatever, is for me to actually go and help somebody. You know, it's, it's, if this makes sense or strange as may be, sometimes I like going in a counseling office. You know why? I get to hear other people's problems. Because I don't want to listen to mine. I don't want to look at my problems. I'm going to help you with yours. <laughs> And then you're kind of, man, I feel good. I don't have any of these problems. Glory to God. Right. Praise God. 
but it's the compassion, you know. So remember, God's not a man. Did you write that down? Does that help you, that scripture? Amen. Yeah, write it down. Did it help anybody? Amen. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, maybe you're just being nice to me. But anyway, I want to, uh, you know, pray with you, lay hands on you, those who you want, uh, prayer. Just, uh, you know, even for healing of the brokenhearted, just lay hands on you. I was at, uh, I was, Tim, you had gone to Norval Hayes' school, and we did back in 1981 and then 83, 84. And uh, I had a heart condition. And Norval Hayes, the anointing of the Lord came on him. And Is it okay if I stand down here? Okay. Oh, yeah. I wasn't sure about the speaker. Oh, no, I, I go okay. So anyway, he said, he said, the anointing of the Lord's on me giving new hearts. And he said, if you want a new heart, come on up here. He said, I'm not going to lay hands on you. God's just going to give you a new heart. Well, I had constant palpitations in my heart. And the doctor, he just said, well, you just have a weak heart. And this is, I think, you and I were, yeah, you and I were married at the time. So I'm, I was 20. And uh, I was standing up front. And the Spirit of God hit me. And I hit the floor. I don't know if you told me or someone told me. I hit the head, my head on the pew on the way down. Bang! I didn't feel anything. I didn't even know I did. Right, right. You know, and uh, if you think I'm weird, that's probably why I hit my head on the pew. <laughs> but uh, as I was laying down there, the Lord spoke to me and said, not only am I giving you a new heart, but he says, you're going to minister to the brokenhearted. I didn't know what the Lord meant right. at that time. And that's, that's what I do a lot of, is ministering the brokenhearted. So I want to uh, lay hands on you. Why don't you guys stand? And those of you who want me to lay hands on you, come on up. Let me